RA Exchange. Welcome to Resonant Advisors Exchange. I'm Chloe Lula, the Exchange's senior producer. Today on The Exchange, we have Charlotte Frimpong, the DJ better known as Seafrim, interviewed live at Pitch Music and Arts Festival by journalist Tanya Akinola. Frimpong is from just outside of Narm, otherwise known as Melbourne, where she grew up in what's called the Areas and a family of Ghanaian Filipino heritage. Over the past year or so, the 23-year-old has become one of Australia's most in-demand DJs, a trajectory that was largely kick-started by her slamming Sugar Mountain Boiler Room set last December. She's become known for digging deep into her musical ancestry and weaving Afro-electronic sounds creatively through her sets. Even though she hasn't been a name on the stage for a long time, she's managed to carve out a unique space for the QT BIPOC community with the party she co-runs, which she says is for people who can relate to the Afro-diaspora or who just want to open their minds to it. Dotty, which I run with Miri, um, is a party specifically for the QT BIPOC community. The inception of it was there wasn't really many spaces like that for us and especially by us as well. And I think we've really created a space where yeah, people can just like dance and like hear new music. And there's like a really amazing, yeah, open-mindedness with people that attend our parties, which I feel like I haven't felt in a lot of other places as well. She slowly started bringing this energy to Europe and abroad, having made her deck mantle debut this past summer. Brimpong has more on the horizon, including producing, as she alludes to at the close of this interview, and more parties for the African diasporic community. Thanks so much for tuning in, and without further ado, here is Seafram live from Pitch Music and Arts. Hello. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this live edition of the RA Exchange with Seafram. My name is Tanya. Firstly, I'd like to pay my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the land on which we gathered here today. Pay my respects to elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Um, firstly, sorry, I'm recovering from a cold, so I sound very nasally and annoying. Recovering um, from pitch. Recovering from pitch. <laughs> so is Charlotte, probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to be here today. Chatting with Seafrim. Yeah, I mean, if you're a local here, then she really doesn't need any introduction. I mean, if you've set foot in any club here or gone to any festival, you would have seen play, seen her on the lineups. She's had a really exciting trajectory and I don't feel like we've got to hear from her enough. So I am really excited to kind of dive deep and hear more about her practice and what she's been up to and how she's got to where she is today. So, yeah. Hope you're ready for that. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Charlotte, how are you? Recovering from pitch? I didn't go too hard, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm feeling good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, yeah, one thing that I actually wanted to bring up, I heard someone, one of the staff members at pitch actually say this after your set, like woke me up at seven in the morning and he was going on about how great your set was and he was like, She's only 19. It's crazy. And I think... Pre-pandemic. Like, yeah. <laughs> Take but up I, a couple of years. You know? Yeah, yeah. But he's, he's close. But um, yeah, I think something that really strikes me about you is how much you've accomplished with how young you are. Yeah, I mean, when I 
first came back to Melbourne after living overseas, I was so surprised at all that you had done and how young you were. I was like, you've only been allowed to be in clubs for a minute and you've done so much. So yeah, I'm really curious to know um, what brought you into DJing and how you got your start. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's been like a long journey for myself. I grew up in like the southeast suburbs of Melbourne, what we call the areas. When I first started like DJing, it was a really transitional period for me. I just moved schools and I I didn't really feel like I had many like-minded people around me. So I kind of like ventured into the city and like tried to find people that, you know, were like-minded in that sense. And obviously, as we know, Nam has a really deep history of like underground, you know, club culture and the underground rave scene. Obviously, I wasn't old enough to go into clubs at that point. Yeah, I was going to a lot of raves when I was younger. So first and foremost, I was always a raver before Um, I was a DJ. And yeah, I think I was just like really curious at that point in time. Um, I'd always like, you know, be up the front of the decks, just like, watching and learning and just like kind of just like air DJing (laughs) yeah and I think that kind of like sparked my curiosity um in DJing and that sort of landscape music wasn't really like um a thing that I sort of like grew up around it was something that I really had to kind of find myself yeah just through going through like you know clubs I mean obviously like raves and stuff it was like I think that sort of like shaped Um, my understanding of like electronic music at that young age and I was like this is something that I want to do. So you were kind of experiencing that before you were 18 and then? Yeah. Yeah and what kind of music was playing at those raves? What was young Seafram listening to? I mean I guess at that time this was like 2015 so it was like a lot of like house music, a lot of techno, Global Club hadn't really like you know, wasn't really around at that sort of stage. Yeah, so it was just like a lot of house music and there was just a lot of white bros behind the decks. Even though they were white bros behind the decks, I was like super inspired to just like go and like dive deep into like, you know, music and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that was definitely like the the beginning of it. Mm -hmm. And how did you learn to DJ? I guess, yeah, through watching people DJ and then I would just like jump on YouTube and literally just like search up you know how to DJ (laughs) because at that time I didn't have you know any equipment because obviously it was like super inaccessible and super expensive so I would literally just like watch YouTube tutorials and air DJ Mm. just like imagine like the knobs imagine the filter and the effects and I'm like yeah this is sick (laughs) I probably looked wild (laughs) in my bedroom literally just like you know by myself like twists and air knobs um but yeah (laughs) and what kind of sounds were you drawn to playing when you first started out and how does that change to what you're drawn to playing now yeah at the beginning I remember one of my first mixes I recorded when I first got my controller was actually a disco mix which is so far from what I play now but I was like obviously that's what I was you know seeing other DJs play at the time and that was something that you know really interested me at that point so I made a a disco mix and it was wild (laughs) it was cool and what sounds do you find yourself gearing more towards now both on and off the dance floor yeah on and off the dance floor obviously like I guess through my trajectory with DJing I've dived deeper into my roots as like a Ghanaian woman as well so 
yeah, a lot more Afro-influenced electronic sounds, like especially like obviously we see the rise of armor piano nowadays from South Africa and also I love Gom, which is also from the townships of um, Durban. And just like I'm really inspired by destructive sounds. Mm. So Gom really gives that like really like, I don't know, just hits that mark for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just like obviously like knowing about the roots of where that particular music comes from. Yeah, it's something that I just feel really connected to. So yeah, a lot of Afro-influence sounds because there's so much amazing electronic music coming out of Africa at the moment, especially in Uganda, Kampala, Ghana, Nigeria, like Kenya. There's so much like experimental music that is just like blowing my mind and our minds that people just aren't even ready for yet honestly you know what I mean mm-hmm. I mean how do you feel playing that kind of music translates to dance floors here and I will like touch on um you playing overseas but how do you find it compares to playing those kind of sounds here in this context versus playing it somewhere like London or playing it in the states do you find that the reception is different depending where you are Yeah, the reception is definitely different. Specifically here, it really depends on what sort of like club night or event I'm playing for um, and who's in the audience really because the people that are going to connect to those sorts of sounds are people from like the diaspora, BIPOC people, people from Africa, you know. For me, when I'm like playing those sorts of sounds, I really like I'm looking out into the crowd to see who I can connect with um, and who's vibing with it. But, yeah, I guess it just really depends on where I'm playing but honestly, yeah, the reception like nowadays is really is it's yeah, it's really amazing now because I feel like people are way more open to hearing um newer music mm-hmm. and that open mindedness has yeah, really yeah, it's been amazing. Yeah. I feel like as well with what you've done through Duddy, the party that you co-run with Mary Marasia, who is here too. I feel like you've been able to kind of craft a community that is, yeah, part of the diaspora and who can kind of relate to it, but also open some minds for people that aren't a part of that into like different types of sounds that they may not have heard before, which is um, really great. So, yeah, I'd like to hear more about Duddy, the event series that you run, why you started it and what were the motivations behind it? Yeah, for sure. So Dutty, which I run with Miri, um, is a party specifically for the QT BIPOC community um, out here where we can just like feel free in those spaces and just like dance without feeling unsafe and feeling like there's eyes on us. You know what I mean? And I think we've, yeah, really created a space where, yeah, people can just like dance and like hear new music. And there's like a really amazing, yeah, open-mindedness with people that attend our parties, which I feel like I haven't felt in a lot of other places as well. But I guess, yeah, the reason that we kind of like, yeah, the inception of it was there wasn't really many spaces like that for us and especially by us as well. Yeah, so that's something that, yeah, we wanted to just connect different sort of communities as well because Miri's background is in um, like the ballroom community. She's a mother of House of Silky, which is a ballroom house from Sydney and just kind of like intertwining club culture and ballroom culture and just like melding the two worlds together. It's so fulfilling to just like when I'm just like in a packed room of just people that are just losing their minds to like this amazing music. Yeah, it's it's insane really. Mm-hmm. Do you have any highlight moments that really like stick in your memory of like a special moment from one of those parties? 
Yeah, I feel like any time that we collaborate with the House of Silky to run these Vogue nights, yeah, obviously with the ballroom scene, there's bowls which are a lot more, I guess, like organised in that sense where the houses are, are really trying to, you know, get their grand prizes and things. But with Vogue nights specifically, people can just like, they can choose whether or not they want to walk and mm. in that moment they're like oh yeah I'm feeling this category yeah I'm a jump you know I'm a jump mm-hmm. on the the stage and do my thing and yeah those moments where we've like melded the two worlds together has just been amazing because there's definitely a different energy in Nam and Gadigal um just in terms of like the the people and a lot of Miri's house members who are from Sydney will come down and you know like engage and just just calm down and like have a good time. So it's really amazing to see those two worlds connected. Mm-hmm. It's just like the little community moments that kind of make it so special. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. I think that as well, you've both had a really big hand in kind of shaping and coming out space in the city for queer people, black people and people of colour. And yeah, I think parties here used to look obviously very different even just five years ago. So yeah, I guess I'm curious to know from your perspective as someone who is young, how did you feel when you first started going out in this city compared to how it is now that you kind of have built this community around you? Like what are the differences that you've noticed Yeah, I guess when I first was allowed into clubs as a 18-year-old, yeah, I I guess like there wasn't much diversity at all. Mm. So like if you'd see another black person or another person of colour, it's like, yo, what's up? Like it's giving that head nod of approval. Yeah, so I feel like definitely the diversity in the attendees has really like grown Um, and I feel like people are just able to just like connect well and feel free in that sense to just like – yeah, dance and move freely. But yeah, when I was like first going out, I feel like it was different. It was hard because at that point in my life, I felt like the people around me didn't really reflect my trajectory in that sense. But at the moment, I feel like it's really, it's really like amazing to have people that are so supportive and like that we can just like party together, like talk shit together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Eat together. So it's, yeah, connecting all those like different worlds and it's not always just like, you know, parties and stuff. It's like how we connect outside of, you know, the club as well. Is there anything that you'd like to see change? Because I think you've obviously built a beautiful community around you. And yeah, sometimes it's almost like we're in a bubble of that. So I guess sometimes when you're outside of that bubble, you see the lack of progress in some areas. So are there any aspects that you hope to see change? And have you kind of felt in your position like you've kind of been leading away in that at all? Or have there been other people that have inspired you? Oh, absolutely. There's been so many people that have come before me. I definitely think I'm just like a moving part mm. in this. I don't think that I'm like, you know, the leader of it because there's so many amazing people within our scene that have um, helped us, helped like, you know, this community grow, especially when I think of one of the first DJ sets that really inspired me was when I saw DJ Cezo at the Grace Darling Basement in like 2018 before I was even DJing like properly out at the club and I remember just like being front row like she was playing global club music like baile funk like reggaeton just like diaspora sounds and it was it was like just amazing 
to see and that like really inspired me. She even she even used to run a party called Precog and I remember going to Hugs and Kisses and it was a 24-hour party and just like the consideration of like the lineup and just, yeah, it was. it's just like when you're really inspired by the people around you, you want to uplift those people around you. So it's just really like about like creating like a, an, like a really tight-knit ecosystem where everyone's like in it for the right reasons. Mm. What was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you answered it. <laughs> I mean, that's really cool to hear. I can really hear in like the way you describe it, like how excited you are about other artists and like how much of a like club kid you are with Duddy do you was that something that kind of just naturally progressed or did you do the first event and then you were like no that was sick we really need to develop this like how did that come to grow into what it is today I guess from DJing it was definitely like a natural progression but I remember we had this takeover that I did a rooftop bar in the city and it was like a month takeover and I just got to program all the DJs and on the last weekend, uh, me and Miri threw a Vogue night on the rooftop, which was wild because, like, it wasn't, like, a, a private, like, thing. So, people, you know, just a rooftop crowd were coming through and, you know, we're doing, like, you know, sex iron. People were getting, like, you know, naked and shit. These, like, white people were just, like, Yo, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that was, yeah, that was hilarious. But anyway, after that moment, that specific event me and Miri were just like oh we've got to keep going because this is that was like something special you know and I felt like people needed that you know yeah so after that moment was when it just like yeah yeah you you knew that you were onto something special and that people were really relating to what was happening yeah yeah so you were overseas a lot last year playing a lot of like big established venues and festivals. How did you find that compared to playing here? What was that experience like? Yeah, it was really good. Like I was out in Europe for six weeks doing a hectic tour and that was like one of my first overseas tours. It was cool because I had a lot of like friends and family that were in Europe at the time. So I wasn't alone, which was great. But obviously people aren't going to come be able to come to every single gig. So yeah, I think I learned like how to be alone in that sense because touring can get very lonely, especially when you're in a new city, you don't know the people. It kind of like breaks you out into your comfort zone. But what I really felt, especially like in London for sure, just like the reception to the sounds that I was playing, like the validation I felt because obviously here it's new sounds that people that are I'm playing to. So all the sounds are kind of coming out from like London and all these like, you know, major cities. So it was like really validating to, yeah, feel that energy, mm-hmm. which was, yeah, it was cool. There was like definitely some cities where, you know, I was playing to like three people, but also those moments are really cool as well because you're kind of like forced to be like, okay, do I actually like what I'm playing right now? Am I playing for me? Who am I playing for? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And what choices did you make in, in those moments? I just played for myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I feel like in those moments where like the room's kind of empty, you're like, all right, how do I get more people onto the dance floor? But really, if you're just like enjoying yourself and vibing to the music you're playing, you're going to attract that. And people are going to be like, oh, like she's having a sick time. So I'm going to go dance. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's a good mentality to have for sure. 
Would you say London was the city that you connected with most um, when you were playing there or were, was there another city? Yeah, I think London for sure was definitely a place that I felt like most connected to. I played um, this party called Touching Bass. Their party's really sick because, yeah, they, they don't really post their events online or on Instagram or anything. They've just got like a – they'll just like send out invites through their mailing list. So the people that actually want to be there mm-hmm. are going to be there. You know what I mean? It just felt like a Sunday cook-up. With the family. And that's what I really liked about it. Mm-hmm. There was a rum and punch and it was great. I love that. Very <laughs> important. I'm curious to know because you've obviously built a really nice community here and have really established a career here. And I think a lot of other artists that are in a similar position to you with how far this country is located in comparison to traveling to the hot spots of Europe or the US have made the decision to move to be closer to different opportunities, um, different gigs, different festivals. So where do you sit with that? Do you want to stay here and continue to build what you have been or are you planning to maybe spend some more time or make the move overseas? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting one. But for me, I feel really strongly in like, you know, building the roots here because I feel like within so-called Australia, yeah, there's so much to like learn and like our scene is so, I guess it's in its infancy compared to other cities. So yeah, I definitely want to stick around and see the trajectory of, of like Australia and yeah, definitely contribute to that because I think it's really important. Every time I speak to it, like an international artist that comes here, they always have a really good time here. And I feel like in, yeah, so-called Australia, we really take care of international artists. I can't really say the same about like um, other places. Like, you know, for me, especially whenever we have like an international artist that will play at Duddy, me and Miri will really take out time like from our week to just like show them around because it can get lonely, you know what I mean? And like not knowing, you know, where to go, where's the good places to eat, you know, you know, where's like the good shopping places, what should I see? It's like really important to have that like just that care for other people, you know what I mean? So, yeah, Australia has a very bright future ahead of it and I definitely want to stick around for that. I am so glad to hear that. I think it is very important, like you said, to stay here and kind of continue building that and I have heard, yeah, a lot of artists that have played your parties or that have come here being really surprised to find that a community like ours exists here. And yeah, they do feel really taken care of and really excited about what's happening here. And I think that because of, yeah, a lot of the work that you're doing, a lot of people are starting to create similar communities, which is amazing. So yeah, it's great to hear that you're not going to jump ship and leave us. And (laughs) what would we do without you? I don't know. But yeah, I guess I would really like to hear about some moments throughout your career that you like look back on with the most joy or the most pride, like any standout moments for you that, that make you feel that? Yeah, definitely. I think one moment that really stands out was playing Golden Plains in 2020. This was like pre- just before the pandemic hit. So I think like a week after we went into lockdown. So that was like, yeah, a super heightened moment. And it was one of my first festival gigs. So I like, you know, I felt really like prideful in that sense. And it was an interesting story about how I got that gig as well. I remember I was playing at Rooftop for Hope Street when before they had the bar downstairs 
And yeah, I was just like playing a DJ set. One of the Golden Plains bookers was actually tuned in at that very, like at that moment for my set. <laughs> and then, yeah, booked me after that. So that was pretty sick. Yeah, definitely Golden Plains. Mm. Pride season that just went by was really cool just because like that was like my first Pride season. The first time, I guess, like other people were like, oh, she's gay. <laughs> so I'm a booker. Shock. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm one of the... <laughs> um even though it was like really like turbo it was just like really amazing to be surrounded by so much community and that really like yeah filled my heart yeah it was great what did you get up to during pride world pride so poppy juice this other cutie by poc party that's based in new york came over and did an event with one of our friends xander so i played that party and that was just like really amazing that was like the first gig I played and then we threw an event at ARC which is like historically a white gay club so it was like interesting to see like us take over that space and how that looked like because it's actually it's literally gonna be it's gonna be gone in like three months so yeah they just like renovated it for pride season and then it's going it's getting turned into apartment blocks so the fact that we were able to you know, throw an event there was like really cool. And just having so much, just like the Sydney community around, like the Sydney girls, they get, they get tense. I'm telling you, they they get rowdy, (laughs) they get rowdy. So yeah, it was so much fun. And then also another highlight was Xander threw another boat party, which was for the QT BIPOC community. So, So literally just imagine like we're on a boat going through the Harbour Bridge just like cutie BIPOC baddies all around. Like everyone's like having a great time. And that was, yeah. The sun was shining. It was nice. It was nice. I did see it on Instagram stories. Yeah. So it looked amazing. <laughs> yeah, it looked really good. Yeah, I'm curious to know what you're up to now and what you have planned for the rest of 2023. 2023. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going on another tour to Europe in August so that will be really fun playing deck mantle so I'm really excited and I'm also going to Toronto in May so yeah I'm really excited about that um and also I kind of just want to produce and put out a body of work that I'm proud of I was going to ask you yeah whether you had been working on any music or producing give us the tea I mean you know I'm not I'm I'm definitely not there yet but I Definitely think it's, yeah, it's something I really want to get into. I've been saying this since I was literally 15. So, and I'm like, oh, you know, a couple more years. And I'm like, why? Mm. I could have been, you know, I could have been really good by now. <laughs> could have been producing for Beyonce. I could be really good. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'm, ho- I'm saying this because I'm holding myself to it. Yeah. yeah. Hold me accountable. And what kind of sounds do you think you'll be drawn to producing? Yeah, definitely like Afro-electronic sounds for sure Mm -hmm. for sure whatever that means but yeah I think so watch this space watch this space yes I'd like to know also about your longer term vision or goals for yourself like where do you see yourself growing within the next five years let's say big questions yeah (laughs) (laughs) I definitely want to get back to my roots in Ghana and the Philippines I definitely yeah there's obviously and a really amazing scene that's growing um, in Ghana. And I really want to, you know, just like connect 
back with my roots. You know what I mean? Um, I think that's just, yeah, really important. There's just like so many amazing things that's happening and really just like take the time to just like learn. So, I mean, if, if you see me up in Kumasi for a little bit, say nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I love that. That's very exciting. Thank you all for your time. Thank you, Charlotte, for chatting with me and enlightening us all tonight. Yeah, it was great to chat with you. And yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Thank you. I'm the motherfucking rookie of the year. Mickey Blanco, Young Castro. Kill We on that chill set, real high. Thanks for listening to this RA Exchange with Steve Frim. Many thanks to the team at Pitch Festival for facilitating this talk and to Tanya for moderating. The track playing in the outro of this episode is Wavy by Mickey Blanco. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to the RA Exchange and listen to our full archive of conversations on ra.co or on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. Until next time, take care. Y'all can go home. I- I'm the new Rufio. Y'all ain't no. I pimp slap you bitch niggas with my left wrist broke. What the fuck I gotta prove to a room full of dudes who ain't listening to my words cause they staring at my shoes. We, we, we make love to the night in the back of the club. Yeah, we feeling the vibe. Life, life slow. This shit feel crazy. Low key, loose niggas know. We get away, we get away.